familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Here in the United States, we have laws that help protect breastfeeding and pumping moms, such as the right to nurse your baby in public. But many of these laws are determined by the individual states. So what exactly are your rights? How do you learn about these laws? And why do we even need laws that determine how and when you can feed your babies? We're the Boob Group. I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield. I breastfed after a C-section. I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it. I pump at work. I breastfeed with a cover. I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula. I talk to my baby while I breastfeed. I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other moms. We are equal. We are the Boob Group. Welcome to the Boob Group. We're here to support all moms wanting to provide breast milk to their babies. I'm your host, Prina Mard. I'm also the founder of the Moms Pump Here Nursery Locator app, which helps moms all over the world find great places to pump and breastfeed their babies. If you haven't yet, we encourage you to download the new Mommy Media Network app, which gives you easy access to all our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast through iTunes so all our latest episodes download directly to your phone. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review so other moms can learn about us. Let's meet the mamas joining our conversation today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Greetings. My name is Mikhail Salaj. I'm a New York State Assembly member. I'm also a first-time mother to a 15-month-old, and I'm very proud (laughs) to have him. And um, I'm just very excited to be here on the Boob Group. In the state of New York, we're always looking to empower women and children. And the best way to empower new families is to make sure that they breastfeed. And so I'm one of the proud sponsors of legislation that empowers breastfeeding and empowers donor breast milk. Hi, my name is Tara Johnson, and I work for the National Conference of State Legislatures in the Maternal and Child Health Program. I am not a mother, but I have a lot of friends and family that are. So we talk about uh, lactation support and breastfeeding uh, quite a bit, and uh, we're very supportive of new moms. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Sunny, and I'm producing today's show. And I got four kiddos. My oldest is six, and I have four-year-old, and then I have twins that are almost three, next month, turning three. And I breastfed all of them. I also pumped, and I also did a lot of the donor milk, both donating and receiving donor milk. And I also supplemented with formula as well. So I'm not currently breastfeeding. I'm actually still lactating, but I'm not. My, my twins are kind of over it. <laughs> they're at the tail end, but they're over it. I don't it. want any more. <laughs> nah, not really. <laughs> 
And I'm your host, Priya, and I'm a mom of three. I have, my oldest is 14. I have a 12-year-old and I have an eight-year-old. So I was a little bit older, but I breastfed all of them. My youngest, I breastfed for three years. Um, the other two were not so lucky, <laughs> but they all got supplemented and, you know, I breast pump for all three of them. Um, so they're nice, strong and healthy kids. I think it's such an important topic, you know, especially from my point of view um, as a mompreneur and having a company that you're constantly talking with moms, um, I think it's so important that we're talking about breastfeeding loss today. Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh. It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right. So as you know, we're talking about breastfeeding law today. And uh, I found a news headline that goes along with our topic. It's amazing. It's actually a video. I think everyone should go check out. But so I'm not going to try to say her name because I will totally butcher it. Uh, I I can try her first name, Anur. I'm just going to say Anur. I'm not even sure if that's how you pronounce it. She is an Icelandic lawmaker. And the video is of her in parliament. They were having a discussion in parliament um, in Iceland. And they they were discussing something that she needed to participate in. It was unexpected, but she happened to be breastfeeding her baby when she was sitting down. And they call her up. <laughs> and it is the most natural thing. And yeah, nobody flinched. <laughs> nobody flinched. There is The video shows two men in the background and a female. Nobody is even thinking twice. Um, I have no idea what she's saying because, you know, I don't speak that language. But she is doing her job. And it, it just looks... It, Her baby is literally breastfeeding. It's not even sleeping. You can see her shirts up a little bit. Nobody batted an eye. And, you know, when she was asked about it, of course, you know, apparently in Iceland, this is not a huge deal or everyone would be looking at it. I'm I'm picturing what would happen here in the United States (laughs) if someone got up to do this. The eyes would fall out of the sockets. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I love her explanation because when she was asked about it, she simply said, listen, my baby was hungry. I didn't expect to go to the pulpit. But this is kind of what I needed to do. And it really was a non-issue. So I just want to get everyone's take on this and, and see what you think about this. And, you know, would this ever fly in the United States? So Priya, what do you think? Well, I think this is pretty awesome. I, you know, it's not the first time I've seen a lawmaker on the news for breastfeeding. There was another woman a while ago. Argentina. Argentina, yes. Yes, yes. for Argentina. (laughs) Yeah, but you, I've never heard of a United States lawmaker going through the situation. But I would hope that if it happened, it would be welcomed, you know, because they did make the law. (laughs) Right, right. And, And that's just it. Like, she wasn't trying to prove a point. She was trying to live her life. Like, she's a mom, too, and her baby was hungry 
And she just got up there, right? So it was it's just so natural. That's what I love about this. And nobody cared. Like, not in a bad way nobody cared. But it was like, okay, yeah, it's a mom and a breastfeeding baby. Big whoop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So anybody else? Any other thoughts? That's just wonderful. Now I know that next time I have my, my second child, I'm going to be making sure that I breastfeed on the New York State Assembly floor. It's just an inspiration, <laughs> really. Right. You should. Yes. I know. I know. Well, again, big props to this mama. She didn't even know probably that she was going to make headlines all around the world for it. True. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'll post it to Facebook if you guys want to check it out. But yeah, hopefully we can bring more of this to the U.S. And, and just normalize breastfeeding as much as possible. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market today we're talking about breastfeeding laws in the united states joining us today is assemblywoman Salage of new york's 22nd district and tara johnson of the national conference of state legislatures a bipartisan organization that tracks and shares legislation for state legislators ladies welcome to the boob group thank you thank you for having us thank you for being on so are we seeing more legislation to support breastfeeding and pumping moms This is Tara, and I would say yes. We track this legislation, and we've been doing it for years, and we've been seeing at least a few bills considered and enacted every year. Um, More of these are related to workplace legislation or exemption from jury duty, um, as many states have already had laws in place related to breastfeeding in public. Some states create laws or reiterate laws to strengthen the federal law, uh, while others create specific unique laws for their state. We've also seen more state resolutions with language that is simply stating that they support breastfeeding and and lactating moms. And I definitely agree. Um, Just as more women become legislators, I think uh, we're focusing on topics that weren't really highlighted beforehand. And so um, I know that myself in New York, we have three legislators who are, are, are new mothers and they're really highlighting and passing legislation that deals with breastfeeding and pumping. How easy is it to pass these laws? You know, as a woman, and you mentioned the three other legislators that are trying to, that are breastfeeding and they want these laws in place, but how easy is it to pass these laws? As with anything, um, laws, bills, um, takes time. However, if you have a coalition of people that really believe in the topic, you can get it done. And New York State, we've, we've passed a donor breast milk bill, bill that was submitted in January and passed it in June. So if there's political will, if there's governmental will, it can get done. Do you need the public support for these bills before they go out? A hundred percent. We do need the, the, the public support, the advocacy, them going out and saying that this is a good piece of legislation that needs to get passed. And you can see that on a, at a federal level and on a state level and even a local level, when the, when the people are involved, you know, legislation, laws, bills, they get done. Is this in general for all states across the U.S.? Yes, I would agree with that. And I think that really is uh, the case for just about any law that you're trying to pass. Is more than one person going to a legislator and, and saying that they have an issue or want something passed. Um, going in a group and having a wide range of support certainly can help 
move forward any specific type of legislation. And what about breastfeeding in public? So we, we've seen, you know, news reports, we've seen images and media about women breastfeeding in public. And I, I know there are laws behind breastfeeding in public. So let's talk about the different states and their laws. Can you give us an overview of these laws that's determined by the states? Does this law protect moms who want to pump in public too? Absolutely. So there are no laws in the United States that forbid breastfeeding outside of the home. State laws protect breastfeeding by expressly stating that a woman has the right to breastfeed in public or by specifying the act of breastfeeding is not indecent exposure. And almost all states have laws in this area. 49 states, the District of Columbia, and the Virgin Islands have laws that specifically allow women to breastfeed in any public or private location. There are 29 states in the District of Columbia that exempt breastfeeding from public indecency laws. Some argue that those are basically mean the same thing, but states like to have uh, multiple laws in place sometimes. In terms of if it protects moms from that want to pump in public as well, it's an interesting question. And from my perspective, I can't say that it does or doesn't. The language is different by state and it can be interpreted differently. So I think it would depend on the state and if there's actually a legal issue that that was brought up about it. What about the state of Idaho? I know that's the one remaining state. Can you talk to that at all? So uh, they don't have a law in place that specifically says they are that they're allowed to, but they don't have a law in place that says they're not allowed to breastfeed in public. So it's I can't say that they have had any issues one way or the other, but they don't have a specific state law in place. And do you think that that's because there hasn't just there hasn't been a public push for it, or it just it's coming from the legislator's point of view? I can't say. No, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> what about you, Mickey? What do you what do you what do you think? You know, we could pass legislation till the cows come home, but it's also really <laughs> a culture. You know, we have to make sure that we're embracing breastfeeding and pumping moms. And um, some of these states, you know, pumping and breastfeeding is a normal thing. Um, and, you know. Women are more likely to be home, so it's never really an issue. But in states where um, the cost of living is is very high, and you know women have to have that that additional income, these issues come up a lot uh, more often. So it just all depends on um you know the environment of the state, the culture of the state, so forth and so on. And what about working moms? How do these laws affect working moms that have to pump in the workplace? Yeah, so there are quite a few pieces of legislation and laws um, around workplace pumping. And as many of you probably know, with the Affordable Care Act, there was a, a provision in the law that requires an employer to provide a reasonable break time for employees to express bre- breast milk for her nursing child for up to a year after the child's birth. And the employer is not required necessarily to compensate an employee for that break time, uh, but they are required to to have it. The employer must also provide a place other than a bathroom for the employee to express breast milk. If the requirements impose undue hardship as the language, an employer uh, that employs fewer than 50 employees is not subject to the requirements. Many states have had laws in place similar to this, either before this law was passed and some have passed after to help strengthen that law. What about part-time employees? How does this law affect part-time employees? So it should be the same as long, depending on how many employees they have at that company. 
So they are, they're still allowed the break times. They are. However, they are not compensate. Not they're not required to be compensated for it. We got to change that. We need yeah. compensation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because you think about the moms that, you know, work in um, strenuous situations or um, even teachers, you know, part-time teachers, substitute teachers that need to pump. And you know they're working hard and working with the kids all day. And if they're not compensated, I wonder if they're compensated or maybe it's up to the school. I don't know. It's like paid family leave in certain states. They provide compensation uh, so that you could be with your loved one and not have to choose between a paycheck. But according to the federal law, you don't get compensation for, for your paid leave. So, you know, that's something that maybe states can move forward to provide compensation for pumping. That'd be great, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. That would encourage a lot more people to um, or women to, to pump. And again, it does. Um, it is up to the employer. So I know I've heard of circumstances where it has not been an issue and employers have not necessarily counted the break time against the employee, but it just, the law does not require them to compensate. So it, it really just depends on the situation. So what about enforcing the laws? How are the laws enforced? Are they truly protecting moms? Because you hear it all the time that, you know, maybe an employer is not educated <laughs> about the laws and then the employee is not treated properly. You know, how are these laws enforced? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I actually get phone calls quite a bit from moms. And we can't provide legal advice um, at my company. That's not what we do. However, we we do know that enforcement depends on where you are. So if there is a city ordinance, for example, in Philadelphia, there's the Philadelphia Fair Practices Ordinance, where public accommodation in Philadelphia may not prohibit a breastfeeding mother, then Someone can file a complaint to the Philadelphia Commission on Human Relations, for example, and you can find this online. And then it, by state, it certainly depends. Oftentimes, the Department of Public Health will know who to contact, but they're not the ones that necessarily enforce it. Related to the federal law, so the first piece of legislation law that I was talking about, the U.S. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division is responsible for enforcing it. So there is an ability to file a complaint to the Department of Labor. Um, but again, in the state, it just depends on on where you are in terms of who's enforcing it. And definitely, um, I would document, it's so important that, you know, we, we first, first of all, we can't give legal advice. I, as a state legislator, can't give legal advice. But it's very important to document any transactions that happen and also to just research how your state is organized. So some states, you, you can file a complaint with the Department of Labor. Uh, other states, it's the Department of Health. So the internet is a great resource. I would just search it on your computer, type in your state or type in your town or your city and, um, you know, breastfeeding rights. And you can find a lot of information that way. There um, is another resource as well. The uh, La Leche League organization sometimes has that information as well. They have um, regional and state sections. Uh, so sometimes we'll uh, encourage folks to look on that web page because um, they can be pretty helpful. Awesome. So we'll definitely include that link in our resources. So it's not just about breastfeeding in public and workplace pumping. We are seeing more legislation to protect breastfeeding and pumping moms. We'll give you some highlights when we come back. Welcome back. Today, we're talking about breastfeeding laws in the United States. In the first half, we talked about breastfeeding in public, and that's certainly a hot button issue. Now, let's talk about other pieces of legislation that are being discussed. So the Babes Act, this just came out and I would love to hear your um, take on the Babes Act. Can you get, can you tell us anything about it? 
Well, this is huge. Um, you know, I know so many women who have interacted with TSA agents who have confiscated their breast milk. Um, you see that celebrities, it's happened to celebrities. Um, they're posting on their social media that their, their breast milk has been confiscated. So, um, you know, this is a huge um, piece of federal legislation that just passed. President Obama signed it, uh, which is the Bottles and Breastfeeding Equipment Screening Act, BABES Act. And so this uh, just codifies the law, the existing TSA rules that allows breast milk, bottles, and other nursing-related items through airport security and onto planes. Yay! And you know, it's something so so small like that is a huge thing. Victory, huge. Yeah. There's so much. So can you imagine being a mom going through and having the, your your breast milk taken away? Like psychologically, that's like, what? I cry <laughs> when I spill my breast milk. So I can only imagine right? some person taking five bottles away from me. <laughs> exactly. So there's also some new resources coming out about high schools uh, providing lactation rooms. Tara, I think that it was it was in California, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, recently, California passed a law that requires schools operated by a school district or county office of education and charter schools to provide reasonable accommodations to a lactating pupil on high school campus. Um, so it allows them to express breast milk, uh, breastfeed an infant child, or address other needs related to breastfeeding. That's awesome. And you know, um, my app actually has a couple of high schools listed on there. And there was one that was recently submitted, and it was in California. I don't, I don't remember the name of it, but it was uh, it was not in the state of California. So I know that this is becoming a more common thing, just from my perspective and my work. And I think it's huge that they're providing that service to students and staff. Is um, what about for college? I was just thinking. So we, we're talking about high school students now. I realize that, but how is college, you know, treated? Is that treated more like a state? Well, I guess it depends on what college, right? There's some that are state oriented and some not. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And to my knowledge, it, it that's exactly it. It depends on the college itself. Generally, colleges um, have more than 50 employees so that they they do fall under the federal legislation for needing to have on the campus somewhere at least a location to provide for expressing breast milk. If it's a a state college, then it does fall under, you know, being a state property, but other ones private do not. But then again, they generally have more than 50 employees, so they, they fall under the general employee law. Most colleges and universities have lactation rooms. And again, I know this with the app. We have hundreds listed that have um, tons of rooms. And it's, it's, it's also a selling point. You know, you want students to have that, that family life balance on campus. So what about, um, I've also heard about jury duty in Hawaii. Now, this is a great, <laughs> this is sort of like a great excuse not to go to jury duty. <laughs> I'm a nursing mom, you know, I have to feed my baby or, you know. So can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Hawaii is the most recent state to pass a law related to exemption from jury duty for mothers who breastfeed or express breast milk. This varies a bit by state, but mostly um, it provides the exemption through a year after the birth of the child. So in Hawaii, they just passed this in, I believe it was June of 2016. It will go into effect March of 2017. And generally, pieces of legislation do take some time to actually go into effect and be enacted. It was enacted this year. It will go into effect next year just because of the process, um, getting 
the information on the forms correct so that, you know, it's an easy process for mothers to either check the box or explain that they're breastfeeding so that they don't have to go in for jury duty. There are at least 17 states that exempt exempt breastfeeding mothers from jury duty or allow jury duty services to be postponed. Um, And this, we saw quite a bit of the legislation passed in kind of probably within the last 10 years related to uh, this topic. Yeah, so I have a little bit of experience with this because California, where I live, is one of the states that protects moms. And I was I was really shocked by this. I got something in the mail, and I'm I'm used to I've been a mom for a while now, so I'm used to like having hardships that I can usually get out of jury duty. Now that I'm actually not trying to, I'm actually very interested, but my life is like chaos, right? And I just can't right now. And so, uh, but I got it in the mail, and I was going through like the reasons that you could you know, reject jury duty or whatever. You send it in and say that you're just not available. And I was shocked to see that being a breastfeeding mom, and at the time I was a breastfeeding mom, was one of them. I'm usually saying something like, I've got little kids and I don't have childcare support or something like that, which is also very much true. That it's a financial hardship for my husband and I to be able to do that because just us, we're, we live far away from family. But yeah, I was so excited about that. I'm like, well, hey, I don't even have to throw in the childcare thing. I'm just saying, <laughs> and it was totally true that I'm, I'm not breastfeeding breastfeeding one baby, but I was breastfeeding twins. So how mm-hmm. you like them apples in your courtroom? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I have some experience with that one. It totally worked too. You know, I did in New, York, in New York State, when Jaden and Ava were born, I did that. I had received jury duty notices right after their birth. And I was like, yeah. I can't. But it was yeah. hardship. It wasn't about breastfeeding. It was hardship. Right. I can't come in because I just had a baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Okay, so there's also a mandate about lactation accommodations in airports. Assemblywoman Solage, I know you've recently passed uh, legislation based on this, correct? Well, we were talking about just um, accommodations also in courtrooms and in courthouses. They they lack accommodations as well. And so um, I passed several pieces of legislation that requires lactation accommodations in airports and also in public buildings. So Capitol buildings, courthouses, um, social service departments, they all should provide an area separate from the bathroom for women to express milk. And so, yeah, so it's huge. So, you know, we're working with also New Jersey so that we can get the major airports under this jurisdiction as well, because there's a lot of airports that New York and New Jersey share. And it's also inspiring other legislators across uh, the country to enact legislation to make accommodations in uh, public places. Wow. How do you feel about that? That's pretty, that's huge that they're that inspired that they're going to be looking at legislation that's similar to it. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, a, a mom should be able to go to any state in the country and, you know, pump or or nurse their child in peace and not in the bathroom. I, I hear horror stories every day. And it's something that, you know, we need to get out of our, our minds and our heads. No bathroom. We don't eat in the bathroom. So why should we be nursing yes, in the bathroom? Breast milk, breast milk is a food. <laughs> food yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a food. Yes. <laughs> so talking about breast milk, donor milk. So you also worked on legislation that reimburses, I think it has to do with insurance, right? 
Yeah, so um, we want donor breast milk is something that um, in New York State, we established uh, one of our first breast milk banks so that if anyone wanted to donate breast milk, they, uh, they can go to an official place in New York State and get it pasteurized and tested for any diseases or bacteria and be able to give it to preemies that are in need. And so I passed legislation to make donor breast milk reimbursable to preemies. So no matter your social economic uh, situation, you will have access to donor breast milk, which we know is liquid gold and which is the (laughs) best medicine that you can give a child. Oh my God. And it's so, it's that for preemies, uh, breast milk does so much for them as they're growing. So yeah. It's been proven to get them out of the NIC unit quicker. It prevents horrible diseases. It's just the best thing that you can give to a preemie. And so we need to encourage that. So I have a question. So how often does it actually happen that a bill is or a piece of legislation is introduced and then other states pick up on it? I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the ultimate compliment, but I'm just wondering, you know, how often it actually happens. Uh, it's like a, a domino effect. Um, one person puts in a bill and then it, it goes across the state, the state. So it happens frequently. And that's what uh, collaboration is all about. Um, I've worked with the National Conference of State Legislatures. I've gone to their conference and, and had conversation with other legislators and uh, we collaborate um, we share bills it, it's a it's a common thing um, you know it's it's and it's great because we want to empower uh, mothers all across this great union so it's you know a very common thing and it happens every day and, and what about moms how can they support legislation well I am always happy to see people interested in government and interested in just being involved into the process so you know the first thing you could do is find out who your uh, legislator is on every level. Uh, most people don't know who the, who represents them. And so, um, you know, find out who your legislator is. Find out what they legislation they talk about. And um, if you're interested in one of these bills, I encourage you to go out and, um, you know, have them submit the bill. So call them, go to their office, go to the team and say, hey, can you sponsor this bill? You know, a lot of states like to make their own, their legislation unique, but if another state has passed something first, it it, sure, it certainly makes it easier on them. For example, if a legislator wanted to um, pass a similar bill that was passed in New York, they can actually look at that language, you know, reach out to the legislator too that was pushing that forward and get some advice. And again, the language is already being used in one state, uh, sometimes states will use almost the exact same language in their bills um, and, and pass that forward. So absolutely, once it's passed in one state or a handful of states, you tend to see a trend of more legislation in that area. I would also say with what we've seen with breastfeeding, that's, that's absolutely the case. And could it happen, too, that enough states are on board that someone's like, hey, we should make this federal law? Like, does that ever happen? Not as much as you may think it would. Uh, a lot of times states like to have have a state law versus a federal law be a little more in control of it and be able to make changes if necessary. It's a lot easier if it's in state legislation versus federal legislation. So that's generally what we see. And then if that did happen, I mean, federal law prevails over state law, right? So if there were existing laws and then a federal law came out and it was in contradiction or something, we'd have to go with the federal law. Is that correct? Yes. However, sometimes a federal law, for example, with the Affordable Care Act and the 
law that says within that legislation, it actually says the federal law requirements shall not preempt a state law that provides greater protection to employees. So a lot of times state law is usually a bit tighter or more specific um, than federal law is. Okay. So it just depends on how it was written, basically. Exactly. So Tara, how can moms listening help support legislation? So I would say we tell anyone that we talk to about any, any issue, really, if you think that a law should be changed or added in your state to protect you or your community, definitely get in touch with your state representative. Their job is to listen to your concerns and to address them as best as they can. Certainly going as an individual is important, but um, as we talked about earlier, going with a coalition of individuals or businesses or others that feel the same way can be a very strong way to move your issue forward. You know, you see those surveys online and people signing the surveys. I think it's change.org. You see a lot of these surveys. How much of an impact do those surveys make on legislation? Are they taken seriously? I think they're petitions. They're petitions. Yeah, that's what I meant. Petitions. Are they taken seriously? Like, do legislators look at these petitions and consider them? I have heard that some do. I don't know in terms of how much they are considered more than other ways of approaching them. And perhaps the legislator can speak to that from her experience. Um, but I have heard anecdotally from legislators that that can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I definitely think a, a petition, um, any document that people from my community, my constituents produce is a strong document. So um you know, the change.org is great, but sometimes people from out of the area sign it. Um, I definitely think that if a, a grassroots effort is the best way to enact change in your community. And so the more people, the more of your neighbors involved, the better your cause is likely to become a legislation or law. Now get out and go door to door with your <laughs> clipboard. Not, sign not here, doors. please. Remember me? <laughs> or get your PTA involved or your your local yeah. your oh, dad's club. Smart. Yeah. yeah, that's smart. Your mommy groups. There you go. Mommy groups. That's right. So thank you so much to everyone for being part of today's show and for sharing their experience. If you're a member of the Boob Group, then be sure to check out the bonus content for this episode where we'll discuss resources moms can use to learn more about breastfeeding and pumping legislation in their own areas. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. All right, so we have a question from one of our listeners. As you know, we love to answer questions that you submit to us, either through our website or perhaps through Facebook. We try to respond to that as quickly as possible. And this one comes from Aaron. This was on our Facebook page, and Aaron writes, I am 37 weeks pregnant with our second baby and still breastfeeding my 26-month-old son. Boy, that's that's quick, quick. Um, our son co-sleeps with myself and my hubby. He nursed during the night up until about two months ago when I decided I needed to get some better quality sleep. For the last 
last two months I nursed him when we first go to bed, but I tell him it's only for a few minutes and then it's night-night time. Then I will tell him, okay, it's time to go to sleep and unlatch him. He still fusses a little bit when I unlatch, but usually only for a minute or two. And for a while, it seemed like things were going very well. But recently, he has slid back a bit and will wail and wail. I don't know if he knows the new baby is coming soon and he feels insecure. We will have or we do have sleeping arrangements set up with a bassinet next to the side of the bed. And I do not plan to have baby in bed for reasons, safety reasons with a toddler. But I'm I'm concerned about the dynamic of night nursing one child and not the other. I guess I'm looking for any advice, experiences that anyone has that can relate to this sort of thing. I'm planning on breastfeeding both toddler and newborn, but do not wish to go back to night nursing my son. Any thoughts would be helpful. Thank you, Erin. Hi, Erin. My name is Helen. I'm one of the experts here at New Mommy Media. I'm a registered nurse and a certified lactation educator. And I want to thank you so much for your question and congratulate you on your soon-to-be-born baby and also give you some kudos on your extended nursing for your toddler. That's wonderful. So as you move to nursing two babies instead of just one, my advice is to be sure that you're clear with your language that the reason you're reducing breastfeeding for your older child is not because of the baby's needs. It's not the baby's fault, but instead it's your choice. Uh, Say things like, I need you to stop breastfeeding because mommy's tired, or we're not going to breastfeed this morning because I need to stay hands-free for a little while or I'm just not ready to do that right now. So instead of saying things like, the baby needs to breastfeed first, or the baby needs more milk than you, or big boys or girls don't breastfeed like a baby does, we wanna be sure that we give the idea to our child that the change is is your choice. Um, The next thing is really take it easy on yourself. It's gonna be a big transition for you, and your older child may have some difficulty with the transition of having another baby now in the house for many, many reasons, not just breastfeeding. So be sure that if you want to reduce a breastfeeding session or eliminate a breastfeeding session with your older child, that you're doing that uh, to care for yourself and that you're dealing with your child's frustration, but you're not giving into that. So remember that our job as a parent is to be present and to comfort, but not necessarily to breastfeed your older child at the expense of you and your baby's well-being. And be sure to find non-breastfeeding ways to connect with your older child. Uh, hugging, snuggling, these are all really good habits that we can we can kind of initiate now and continue to do um, after the baby's born that don't involve breastfeeding. And that's about it. I want to uh, congratulate you and wish you luck with your new baby. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. This is The Boob Group, where moms know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health, 
or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.